0: Hello and welcome to the Ask the Geographer Podcast Series from the Department of Education and Outdoor Learning at the Royal Geographical Society with IBG. I'm Harry. In each podcast, I'll meet geographers from around the world to ask them about topical events, timely publications, and geographical research. Ian Friedland is Her Majesty's Inspector and the Geography Leader Ofsted. He has worked for HMI over the past five years and is a qualified geography teacher. In his duties, Ian liaises with professional organisations, including the Society, and leads school inspections and initial teacher education partnerships. Prior to joining Ofsted, Ian served as a senior leader in several schools in Cornwall and Devon. Most recently, he was an executive director of a multi academy trust and is a Society Fellow. Your Her Majesty's Inspector, Ian. Could you give us a little more background on what you do throughout the year? And I guess for any job for teacher out there who's not been offsted—I'm using that in quotation marks—as uh, I say it—what uh, do HMI do in general?
1: Hi, Harry, and thank you for thank you for the opportunity to have the conversation with you. So, Her Majesty's Inspectors are appointed by the Crown, um, and we're appointed to inspect education and care providers, and we were there to uh, carry out standard inspections but also to challenge them to improve further and to get help them get the support that they need. So we cover quite a, a wide range of what we call remits and um, that includes the early years, schools, further education and skills providers, social care providers and initial teacher education. I work in the school space most of my time, um, so we carry out those routine inspections um, that, that schools tend to have on a on a, on a kind of cyclical basis. Um, but we also carry out um, monitoring inspections of schools that are graded less than good, um, and really that that's helping them to to become better schools. That's that's the aim of, of, of those sort of tasks. We also undertake focused inspections. Um we've maybe talking a little minute about, about the focused inspections we did of the teaching of geography in outstanding primary schools. Um, and we'll share our findings with the with the intention that it's going to help the sector to improve. Um, Most recently, we ran a a focused inspection series um, during this academic year where we looked at the impact of COVID-19 on schools and how they were responding to it. That kind of gives you a bit of a flavour of of the sorts of things that we do.
0: Between January and March 2020, you carried out 23 geography school inspections, or subject inspections of primary schools. Uh, What were the strengths and the areas for improvement that you noticed?
1: So if I start with the strengths... Um, Harry, there were, there were a lot of them, actually. Overall, we found that that curriculum planning was well thought through, um, that it was clear organisation to make sure that pupils were building on um, what they'd already learned. And importantly, we could see that Pupils with special educational needs and disabilities, they were being fully involved and and fully included in the provision for the teaching of geography. We found that the teachers and and other adults working with children in schools were supporting those pupils really well so they could access the same content. I guess interestingly um, for for us, and it was probably at the time at which we visited, the vast majority of the schools were actually significantly revising their curriculum plans for geography, amongst many other subjects. In almost every school that we visited, leaders were using the national curriculum as their basis for planning. But then thinking about how that really fitted to to their school and the pupils that attended it. And we did identify a number of areas that that need to get better. Um, First and foremost, we found a lack of subject specific training that teachers had. And that put them at, at some disadvantage. It meant the teachers weren't always clear about the geography that they actually wanted their pupils to learn. And there were aspects of geography education that were missing from the curriculum or not taught sufficiently to ensure that pupils could learn about particular aspects of geography. It was a pretty mixed picture, but locational knowledge and geographical skills were the two aspects that we found in general to be weaker. And I think that probably the main point here to draw out is the need for head teachers and principals to support colleagues developing their knowledge of geography, both in the content. Um, that's to be taught, but also in the ways of the discipline, what it is to be and think like a geographer. Um, we've got an event coming up um, between ourselves and, and RGS, so we're, we're really delighted to work with you and colleagues, Harriet, at the Society. Um, first of all, for primary colleagues on the 5th of October and then a secondary event on the 6th of October, where we, we're going to go into some of that in a little bit more detail. Hopefully these sessions will be helpful to colleagues and help them in some developing some of that understanding about, about geography and, and how to teach it. And of course, I've got to put the rider in. Other organisations are are also out there to offer support. Um, And, uh, you know, I'd really encourage colleagues to look around and and see what support is out there. But also there's plenty of books that have been written, many published quite recently about geography teaching, um, which which are to be be commended and give give people that that useful insight. It's not all about going on courses. Um, And then we've got some Ofsted publications as well that that people might want to turn to. Um, So you might have seen... Um, the blog that we published, oh gosh, last month, May um, 2021, um, which was the follow-on from from those 23 inspections that you talked about, Harry, a minute ago, um, and they give they'll they'll give people a bit of a flavour as to to, to get a, a bit more detail about uh, what I've just mentioned to you just now, and then in June 2021 um, we published the research review, and we maybe talk about that in a little bit a little bit more detail in.
0: You wrote a piece called Empowering Geography, a view from Ofsted on teachers placing greater emphasis on location and place knowledge, which we've just discussed as uh, maybe lacking or needing um, uh, enrichment. Why is this such an important part of the subject?
1: I guess, Harry, spatial organisations, what makes geography, geography? Um, Many researchers and academics over the decades have have cited it consistently as one of our core concepts. I think people like Ifu Ifu Tuan um, in his book Space and Place, he opens with a panoply of phrases that you or I would reel off without even giving a thought. Comments like, we live in space, there's no place like home, hometown. Um, Similarly, Tim Cresswell, um, he talks about the ubiquity of the term place and and draws out the personalization of it when we use language like my place, your place. Um, For me, and the research backs it up, that's what matters here. I think place is what gives pupils the meaning and the personal attachment that really helps them remember what we want them to learn. Alistair Hamill um, spoke at a, a conference earlier this year and he, he told her the depth of impact that a case study had had for his students when they learnt about people living in the shadow of a, an erupting volcano. And that was because he had gone out and found out about the people who lived in that area and how it was affecting them and the role that they were playing in in monitoring the eruption, but also in the evacuation that, that ensued. So that personalisation is, is really key. We also want pupils to make sense of their own spaces and enable them to see how different geographical processes affect them and, and the area in which they live or they go to school but also we want to think about other locations beyond the familiar. So for all that to happen, I think pupils really need to have strong locational knowledge, not just where places are, but also the effect that that location can have. And that's why, for me, teaching about latitude, for example, is so important. And yet pupils really struggle with the concept. So I guess what I'm saying here is that Place brings together people's locational knowledge, their understanding of environmental, human, and, and physical processes, and and draws on their geographical skills. So it's the, in some respects, it's the glue of the subject. It brings them it brings them into the ways of
0: of being a geographer. Um, in contrast to some of the issues identified in primary geography teaching, uh, secondary school geography at GCSE has seen a huge increase in uptake, fifty percent from twenty ten to twenty nineteen. Um, why do you think the subject is growing
1: in popularity. Yeah, we're up again this year, uh, Harry. I've just seen the provisional figures were released last month and, um, you know, it's great that that more pupils are carrying on to study geography to GCSE. I think we've got to acknowledge that a lot of schools are well on their way to ensuring that pupils have the ability to complete the English baccalaureate suite of qualifications and and that's a government ambition um, and and schools seem to be um, making good progress towards that Therefore, in that that scenario, children have to either study history or geography and a few other qualifications as well. But the vast majority are choosing between those two. But I think also we're we're seeing greater interest in the planet and how studying geography can open a lot of doors for pupils. Um, The range of employment opportunities is huge. And we saw that through the society's own Choose Geography campaign. For those who study geography at A-level, we know that more than four in five of them will go on to study at, at university um, in a variety of courses, not just geography, but also in that group, the range of courses um, that, that students have got opened up to them is, is actually quite huge. I guess we can also extol the long-term benefits um, that come to those who study geography. We've got, you know, we also notice that the growing importance of issues like climate change, migration, environmental degradation, spatial epidemiology, inequalities. So you know, geography is one of the most relevant, I would argue, fields of study. And through it, pupils are gaining the knowledge and the skills to make a real positive difference in the world. And, and that seems to be chiming with what we see when we go into schools of, of children really, and I think it was ever thus, but really wanting to make a difference. And some of the, the issues that faces at the moment are really quite quite significant. Um, I think the other things we can pick out there are that, that the message may have got through that geographers are very employable um, and collectively we know we receive um, higher than the average graduate salary. Um, the 2020 National Student Survey reported that, that almost nine out of every 10 um, of the respondents to their survey who were studying geography were satisfied with the quality of the teaching that they'd received at university, um, which was much higher than the, the national average. And also we had the Institute of Fiscal Studies, the IFS. Uh, they did a survey not so long ago as well where they, they commented on geography students being more likely to complete their degree than students in almost every other subject and placed geography among the top subjects for graduate earnings. So an attractive subject driven by, by a, a national agenda, I guess, to,
0: to encourage the studying of, of humanities. Um, you mentioned uh, Ofsted released a report earlier this year called the Geography Research Review. If, if I've got that right, that's right. Yeah. What did um, the research reveal, aside from the comments we've just me- you've just made about primary school teaching and uptake at GCSE? It's a
1: it's a mighty piece of work, um, which which is quite quite a significant and and, and hefty read. But um, pulled from research that goes back. Um, mostly over the last 20 years, but, but actually some of it goes back a, a bit further than that. So it's not our own research. We've drawn on the research of, of academics and, and other um, other authors out there to to identify the kind of, if you like, the concept of high quality geography. Um, and it's been great to be able to publish this resource in, in June 2021. It covers all ages from nursery and reception right through to the sixth form. I think that's really important. Um, in secondary, um, there are some specific challenges for, for secondary colleagues, but many of the, the messages in there are uh, apply across the age ranges. I guess one of the biggest important and most important messages that is that, that comes through from this is that. A child's geography education runs across phases. For It's really, in effect, one big progression model. The big takeaway points, though, Harry, I would say there are a are, are, are manifold. Number one is about what we we're using the term scope. Um, you might talk about the breadth of content, but, you know, the question for teachers there is, are you teaching at least the content set out in the national curriculum? We know it's minimum expectation, but if that is implemented well, then pupils will get a good grounding across different aspects of geography. I've already mentioned pupils' locational knowledge was found to be weak in our study. So we've got to make sure that we're um, giving youngsters the the knowledge that they need to understand um, location and and also the factors that that can come as a result of that. Um, Second takeaway point would be around coherence. Uh, you know, does the curriculum hang together well? Does it allow pupils to build on their prior learning? We saw that was a positive in in some of the primary school inspections that we carried out um, back in 2020. Um, and we also know, you know, from the cognitive science research that's that's gone on, and you know, pupils build their knowledge in interconnected webs. And the language, I think, technical language is, is schema and schemata. So. The important thing there, again, for, for teachers will be about breaking down the curriculum goal that they've got into very precisely defined components or small parts. Or chunking is that another another phrase that's being used quite a lot at the moment. Um, when it's down into those really small parts, then we can check that children have, have picked up each one of those pieces before they pull it into more complex or composite kind of ideas. The third takeaway point. Um, that I pull out is practice, 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 um, and I can't stress it enough. Pupils need time to learn and then go over what they've previously been taught. That that comes through really strongly in in much of the literature that we 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 reviewed. There's plenty of research out there on the positive impact of retrieval practice and recall tasks. And um, one area where that's really particularly important is in geographical skills and fieldwork. Their research shows us that geographical skills are remembered most effectively when they're integrated into units of learning. That's not to say we won't have to deliberately teach them, but once they've been introduced, incorporating them into activities and in units that look at different aspects of geography will really help pupils to embed them in their in their memories. The same is true for field work. Again, the research really clearly shows us. Um, that the impact of fieldwork is so positive and striking on on pupils, but it needs to be practised. So a standalone unit at the end of year nine, for example, isn't going to have the same benefit as if pupils carried out fieldwork regularly throughout key stage three, or we could say the same in primary. It, you know, it's not, if it's just a standalone unit at the end of year six, it won't be as strong as if it's being fed all the way through key stage two. And I guess that leads me to the final takeaway point here, which is about the decisions that senior leaders and governors make. The review picks up on things like allocation of time, the specialism of teachers and the professional development of them. Um, timetabling decisions to name but a few. The report was on and people can read it to to find out all the other factors that are quite significant. But they would be the kind of four big takeaway points, Harry.
0: That's really interesting to hear, particularly learning a new uh, piece of phraseology about chunking uh, schema. Um, And you've said that it's important to integrate skills and, and feed work throughout the different key stages. Um, can I ask in general, on top of what's been said, what does a high quality geography education have in it, in, in your opinion?
1: So I think we're, we're here, we're looking at, as I said, the, the, the breadth of study. our, our pupils well versed in, in a, a wide enough range of human, physical, environmental processes Um that, that that happen around our world, so they can start to make sense of what's going on and, and why. Um, looking at the factors that, as we've mentioned, lots location has on that, but also that understanding and that sense of place, that under the, really the depth of understanding about those processes and how they affect people and places in particular periods of time, um, and then be becoming proficient in those geographical skills we want youngsters to do, whether that's interpreting an aerial photograph or a satellite image, using a GIS system or um, or some map work or creating or developing field work and, and carrying out uh, tasks in the field where they can gather their own information and then bring it back and analyse it and and present their findings. And I, th- I guess, you know, our national curriculum is a well-written document. It holds those things in, in nice balance and actually a high quality geography education will pull on those things. We'll know it's worked because children will remember what they've been taught. So when we're thinking about pedagogical choices, the, the things that teachers do in, in classes to, to help children remember the content, then you know that's the, that's the acid test: has it has it worked? Um, so it's it's not all about necessarily the often we, we've seen in the past, and, and maybe it still lingers a little bit at, at the moment around kind of activity-driven um, curriculum. Actually, we need to be thinking about what is the knowledge that's to be remembered here. So if we keep that if we keep that foregrounded, then then typically a, a high quality geography curriculum follows. You know, that that's that's kind of where we're at with with that. Um, and I say there are there are some structural considerations there, like have we actually got enough time to do this? Is it prioritised sufficiently in school curriculum? And and I recognise the challenges in a in a limited teaching week um, that that presents, but. But leaders make choices, um, and they need to they need to balance that that up and say have have we got that balance quite right, um, and that'll be for individual schools taking their own context into into account to to decide on.
0: Something we haven't really touched upon yet is geographical information systems and how GIS is is growing in importance. Um, how should a geography teacher encourage and embed this into the curriculum on on top of everything that we've just said is present in a high quality. Geography education,
1: sure, yeah, yeah, and it's part of the geographical skills. And I guess the first point to pick up there, Harry, is that the national curriculum requires pupils to use GIS to view, analyse, and interpret places and data. So, so it's a requirement, um, but again, use well. Then what we saw in the in the research that we we looked at was um, when it's used integrally, um, then it really develops that locational knowledge that we've talked quite a lot about. It helps pupils to see the relationships between data sets and locations. Um, I've seen teachers using data sets that are are available. Either they've got their own data sets because they've gone out and collected information or they're using freely available, um, reliable data sets from organisations, including government data, that allows pupils to practice using GIS and that can work really well too. But it's the same messages as, as I've mentioned before, Harry, is that you know youngsters in Key Stage 3 need time to practice, need to be taught, and then they need to be able to practice using GIS. Um, and the benefits of it,
0: we can see, are, are significant. Whilst geography at GCSE has been successful in achieving a much more representative uptake from Black, Asian and other minority ethnic students and students from um, low-income families, uh, we aren't seeing this being carried into A-level, I believe. Um, Does Ofsted have a view on why this might be the case and and how we might address it uh, to become more inclusive and to better recruit underserved or underrepresented students in geography?
1: Yeah, it's not really an area that falls within a remit, Harry. Where, as a subject, we teach pupils about different cultures and, and aim to ensure that pupils understand more about the world they live in and, and why it is the way it, the way it is. But you know, as with with all teaching, taking on board the context of of each school will be important, and teachers adapt their teaching to meet their pupils' needs and, and draw on the knowledge that those those youngsters already have. So, I'm sure, like most geography teachers out there, I would want any people regardless of their background to to study geography to learn more about about different cultures and different peoples and different places in the world so um yeah not really not really one for me to comment on other than to to advocate for all pupils to study geography here <laughs> here <hear. laughs>
0: um i've got uh, another question on pedagogy um based around um of course, removing the need uh, for fieldwork, which has divided opinion this year, um, but you've kind of already answered it. The question was going to be: Should fieldwork be a key component of the subject? You've said that it's it's yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's one of the things that one of the the activities, if you like, one of the things that we we do in geography that really helps children's memory, and and you know, f- from from a learning point of view, that that's going to be, be be front and centre for us. I think there's there's maybe some confusion, I don't know, uh, around the kind of of um, consultation at the moment. As I understand it, off call have consulted on the suspension of the centre declaration at, at GCSE, AS and A level. Um, but as far as I understand, neither they nor the DF, DFE have made any changes to the content and the DFE is the regulator um, of the content document. So as far as I know, that, that hasn't been, been consulted on. I haven't seen any consultation. Um, so those requirements that are set out in the in the DFE um, content document remain in place. So I think as I as I've got as as I've kind of got my head around what, what's being proposed here, pupils at GCSE will still be examined on fieldwork skills and examination. So we're going to have to teach them um, to carry out uh, fieldwork and, and know some of the techniques that might be used, and, and whether that's in data collection or analysis or, or presentation. Um, and at A level students will still be expected to know about collecting geolocated data. So that that still sits there. So, again, one would imagine that teachers will be planning to teach and and pupils will practice fieldwork if they're going to be successful in those assessments. Um, And as I I understand that, off course proposals is that, I think because of and I can see that point, I guess, is because the uncertainty of, of these times in which we're currently living to require heads of centre to sign out know, that, that pupils have carried out a certain number of days or visited contrasting locations isn't something that they could guarantee. So um, I think that's the purpose of, of course, like we, 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 we propose to relax that requirement for 2022 examinations and um, not to say don't do fieldwork. Um because I haven't met anybody yet who doesn't agree fieldwork is an important part of teaching geography, um, but just that it, it may be unrealistic to expect um, youngsters to do the, the the kind of full requirements in terms of offsite activity, and schools are being very creative about thinking of other ways to do fieldwork, and, and I've had various accounts that that come in there. So yeah, I think. You know, I'll reiterate again, I feel what's really important is part of what, what helps children to remember what we want them to, to learn as, as geographers. It, it gives them a really good insight into the ways of being a geographer, how geographers ask questions, how they frame the way in which they're going to find the, the answers, if you like, to those questions um, and communicate with, with, our, with a wider audience. So it, you know, it is a really strong part of, of, of our curriculum and, uh, and one in which we want children to be particularly proficient.
0: Going back to the geography research review that we've talked about on and off, um, what were your findings on assessment practice and what advice could you offer on the topic?
1: Yeah, sure. The, the research shows really, I guess, the, the importance of both formative and summative assessment. Knowing what pupils know is obviously critical for, for any teacher when they're planning on what they're going to teach next. We want to know that that what has been um, previously taught has actually been remembered and, and learned. So. The other thing that we, we want to do there is draw out where children have got misconceptions, so there'll be gaps perhaps perhaps in knowledge or things they're not quite secure in, and then there'll be misconceptions as well. So it's really important that we pick them up early, and they can have come from all sorts of places, um, their own you know, children's own experiences or etc. And there's there's quite a lot in the research review about misconceptions actually. Um, the important point to your question here is that we've got assessment arrangements in place, whether they just be asking questions in class or circulating around a class and, and talking to youngsters as, as you go, um, or whether they are doing little quizzes or mini tests or full-blown examinations, whatever whatever type of assessment you're using, we want to pick up what what specifically is it that pupils haven't grasped as as clearly and as well as, as they should. Um and, and I think really, if we if we take it from the point of view that assessment is is part of the curriculum, it, it's it's what part of the structure, if you like, and is interwoven through it. Um, then then assessment is a, is an ongoing process. It's happening every you know every minute of every lesson, really. Um, Things like retrieval practice and recall are, are something that inspectors are definitely seeing a lot more of than, than perhaps we did in the past. I think teachers are getting really into the way of of checking what was taught yesterday, last week, last month, even year, years in the past is is becoming a more uh, more core part of of their work. They're, they're recognising that that can be something that's really helpful in bringing in bringing knowledge back to the front of, of people's memories, if you like. Um, quick quizzing is is something we probably as inspectors all see every time we walk into a school somewhere along the line, some class will be doing a quick quiz um, just to jog those memories again. So I think we've seen that in in terms of more the kind of, I guess, the formative side. Generally, summative assessment, we know it's got limitations. It's typically not particularly useful for diagnostic purposes. Um, But where summative assessments are being used, if they've been crafted really well, and, and no, we know then that you know they'll pick up the particular components which pupils haven't really learned. And the way that teachers can address these will be critical if, if children are to move on successfully, if they're to, to actually go back and grasp that. And, um, and you know, potentially it re- reshapes. I, I know from my own teaching. I, I, I taught in a, in a new school. We were teaching uh, we were teaching schemes of work for the first time, and and you know, some of them didn't land as we expected them to. So we had to actually go back and change our curriculum. Sometimes you have to do that. There's, there's bits of the course that, that you might think that's not landing particularly well. Um, let, let's do it differently or let's reorder some units because actually, do you know what? There's some knowledge we teach in that unit that we actually want to draw in in this unit and we, we have to move things around. So it might be in lesson variation, we all remember those points where you know, youngsters, you just get those blank faces, and you just know that the vast majority of youngsters haven't got it. And so we we stop and we think, can we do it in a different way? Um, or or more than more than that, then maybe that we're looking at, um, you know, what knowledge is missing? Are there are there gaps? Other things that you know that sort of prerequisite knowledge that. That we haven't yet covered and you you have that kind of eureka moment of gosh gosh no if only who we had taught about X then this would all fall into place so there's lots you know I think Teachers are intuitively assessors all the time, um, and that's right. That's how that, that's what we do. That's how we that's how we evaluate um, the impact of of our workers, teachers.
0: Finally, um, returning to Ofsted and yourself, um, are there any Ofsted myths about geography that you'd like to dispel? Uh, probably just a couple. I would
1: say uh, here, Harry. Um, I mean, the first one is Ofsted doesn't have a view on how the curriculum is organised. I often get this. Um, Raised in, in whether I'm doing um, events for multi academy trust or local authorities or, or whoever, but there, there seems to be a view that Ofsted's got a view on you know how a curriculum should be should be set up, and um, not the case. Topic based, thematic, discrete subject teaching—they've all got their pros and cons, and it, it's very much for schools to identify what's going to work best for their their youngsters. From my point of view as an inspector and, and my colleagues, we want to see that the intended, you know, in our case geography that children should learn over the space of a key stage is being taught and learned. So by learned, we think about children remember what they've been taught. Um, so that's that's the, that's the main point there. Um, you can organize your curriculum as you like, but think about the impact that it's having. Um, and then probably the second, I don't know if it's really a myth, Harry, but let's, let's go with it. Um, another question I get asked about is around level of planning or, or the level of detail in planning. Um, and the point there is, and, and it would be the same for any subject, not just geography. But planning, in in our view, from from an offset point of view, is is the teacher's aid. It's, it's not there for us. And you know, there's probably another myth there that you know there is nothing you need to do for Ofsted other than teach teach children as you, um, as as you would, as you want to, and, and you know, as, as you would engage them. Um, so the plan is there for teachers to refer to and adapt to meet the needs of, of pupils in their class. Um, so plan as you need to plan and whatever works for you, you know, that's that that's your prerogative. Um, there's certainly no need to plan in any particular level of detail or expectation from from Ofsted's point of view. Um we're, we're there to look at the impact that your teaching has and and identify what's going particularly well or if it's not going quite so well, then why is it not going quite so well? And that's kind of the, the whole purpose
0: of, of inspection. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us today, Ian. It's been a really insightful podcast for, for teachers um, in all subjects, but particularly geography. Thank you once again.
1: Oh, thank you, Harry. It's been great to talk to you
0: today. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the Ask the Geographer podcast series on iTunes and Soundcloud.com. Be inspired and stay informed with the Society's wide range of resources, many of which are free. School membership unlocks access to other excellent resources, including online lectures and many other tailor-made benefits for teachers and students. Access our resources at www.rgs.org schools.